Up World. It's your fast first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen coming at you Monday through Friday. Start your days with it. Make it your first listen. Locked On Blazers, your team every day. Yes, yet again, due to some personal reasons. This episode's coming out a little bit later, so hey, make this your second listen. Hope you listen to Locked On NBA first or another one of our wonderful podcasts on the network, including Locked On Knicks, because that's what we're talking about a little bit today. The Blazers lose to the Knicks on Tuesday evening to begin a stretch of eight of nine games at home. I mean, this this thing's over, y'all. It's just about where they finish in the draft lottery. Uh, as I have, as, as I once said, and then <laughs> regretted it immediately, put a bow on it. This thing is done. It's a wrap. But this season is um, it's headed the wrong way. We're going to talk a little about a little bit about the direction it's heading. Uh, talk about that Knicks game. JJ, excuse me, JJ Redick. Damian Lillard was on JJ Redick's podcast. We'll talk about a. a, a a clip from that appearance, a, a, a sentiment Dame shared on that podcast is a really good show. Recommend you listen to it. And then we'll celebrate Josh Hart returned to the Moda Center and was a beloved former Blazer. We'll talk about some beloved former Blazers because it's time to start rooting for people who wear different jerseys. It's that time of year. But first, let's do what we do. Oh, also, the Blazers got a new mascot. Maybe the highlighted Tuesday. Maybe the highlighted Tuesday. Blazers got a new mascot. Uh, we'll, t- we'll talk about that in, t- in the today's show, too. But first, let's do what we do. Fastest recap in the West. Blazers lose to the New York Knicks, 123-107. They did not score 115 points, so they did not have the opportunity to win this game. They led early. One th- they led early, 33-20. They didn't score 100 points that first quarter. 33-20. Knicks missed their first six shots. Blazers took advantage by jumping out to a big lead. They led by as many as 16 points in that second quarter and led by six at halftime. Uh, Knicks kind of really struggled early shooting the ball, and then they kind of figured out. They started to make like sort of a reasonable number of shots, and um, that coupled with the Blazers struggling after a after a strong early start led to what eventually became a beatdown. Blazers up six at, at halftime. They trailed by 91-81 after a 42-26 third quarter. Blazers come out of the gates. They'd scored just 22 points in the second quarter. The offense had, had kind of escaped them. The non-Damian Lillard offense had escaped them. They didn't find any more. They're playing this game without Jeremy Grant, uh, who missed the game with a quad injury. Damian Lillard returned after missing Sunday's game with a calf injury that has been bothering him, I guess, uh, throughout the season on and off. He get, he sits out Sunday, comes back, but no Jeremy Grant, who has a quad injury. Trenton Watford gets the start. And, like, you know, you're missing Jeremy Grant. You're missing a big part of the offense, a big, a big hub, a big score. Uh, and the Blazers just... The, the non-Dame Blazers never really got it going shooting the ball. Anthony Simons had a nice game, but never got it going shooting the ball. Scored 22 in the third, or in the second, scored 26 in the in the third quarter. Like, this team has to score to win, and they weren't scoring. They give up 42 points in that third quarter, go down 91-81 after three, and they never got within single digits in the fourth quarter. Once this game flipped, it was over. It was over. They, they let go of the rope. And I think that's the frustrating thing about this team is, like, they were they were kind of in it, playing pretty well. Offense goes away, and eventually, the last seven minutes of the game, they were not playing competitive defense. They had they were resigned to getting beat down. The Blazers opened that fourth quarter with Damian Lillard on the floor. They said, "Hey, this game's slipping away. We want to win. This is not this is not tanking. This is losing. Um, you know, put your star on the court. Try to win this game. Can't come back." 
Never get within single digits. They lose 123-107. That's your fastest recap in the West. Damian Lillard, very good in his return. 38 points, 8 of 17 from 3. Uh, struggled inside the arc a little bit, but uh, finished with 38-7-7. and seven. Uh, He was... He was really good. 22 from Anthony Simons, who added a rebound and one assist. Matisse Thibel had a nice, pretty nice offensive night. 15 points to go with eight rebounds and three assists. 10 from Trenton Watford in the start. 10 from Yusuf Nurkic, who just has not looked back coming back from that calf injury. Has not looked like he's back. And the Blazers basically got no help off the bench. Uh, six points from Shaden Sharp, who played very limited minutes before uh, in this game. Played just seven minutes. Uh, no one else off the bench made a second bucket. Cam Reddish, one of six, 0 for 3 against his former team. On the other side, playing without Jalen Brunson, the Knicks don't worry. They got 26 from Emmanuel quickly, 24 from Julius Randle to go with 10 boards, 4 assists, 22 from R.J. Barrett, and their bench beat up on the Blazers' bench. Excuse me, Miles McBride, 18, Obi Toppin, 11, Josh Hart in his return to the Moda Center, 16 points, 9 boards, 8 assists. What are you going to do? They're deeper and better than you. What you're going to do is try to make shots. And the Blazers start this game 7 of 14 from 3. They're shooting really, really well. They made 10 of their next 31. Uh, It is not as simple as, like, they miss shots. Um, I think that is... um, that's part of it, like undeniable, right? But it is the fact that they are so, the team is so predicated on scoring, like the, their success is so predicated on scoring. It's like they're not going to, they are not competitive in games where they have prolonged shooting slumps. Like, I mean, they're, they're 31 and 38. Like this, it's not a good basketball team. And they, they have to, they have to score to win. They scored early, but you're not going to shoot 50% from three all year, all game long. The, the Knicks are really physical. They start really blitzing Damian Lillard, and they said, anybody else? Dame still scored 38, had 7-7. Seven and seven. Like, it, it wasn't a Dame problem. They needed a third guy beyond Anthony Simons to to really make, make, it, make it happen, and they don't have that type of scoring depth. It's something they absolutely need. Um, this was a night where they needed Cam Reddish to have, like, 24. Like, that, that was the way they were going to be competitive, and he goes 1 of 6 in his 19 minutes. About that new mascot, though. <laughs> Got a new mascot. Hey, listen, it's not us. Let's let's talk about non basketball stuff for a little bit. They got a new mascot. Uh, they introduced a a Sasquatch, a Bigfoot as a new mascot. Uh, this was a long, like sort of prolonged, drawn out bit featuring comedian, local comedian, pride of Beaverton and Westview High School, Ian Carmel. Um, Ian is what a what a what a charming person. Ian Carmel is um, really. He's incredibly quick witted, incredibly smart, incredibly charming, and went from like. Literally, the guy who was on a local sports, you know, regional sports television broadcast as the comedic relief here to now the Blazers' most famous fan. Props to Ian Carmel. But Ian, um, who's, you know, a head writer in the Late Late Show and um, will do something next in Hollywood and we will follow him, did a whole thing with the Blazers searching for Bigfoot. And it ended with Bigfoot being introduced on the floor. Um, the, the, the Bigfoot's name is Douglas Fur, F-U-R, like furry, as opposed to the tree. Um, I think it's a good nickname. The The face of, of Douglas Fur, a little creepy to me, but mascots in general a little creepy. Douglas Fur has real Pierre the Pelican vibes to me. It's just hipster Pierre the Pelican with a cutoff, um, cutoff uh, 
plaid vest and a beanie on, or for my Canadian listeners, a toque. I'm wearing a toque. Um, I don't think I have a lot of Canadian listeners, but I don't know what they call that kind of hat in Australia. So shout out to all my shout out to all my folks uh, in in Australia listening, and the the heavy Melbourne vibe uh, that that listens to Locked On Blazers. I mean. It, I guess that's the highlight. It was like Ian Carmel did a whole did a whole uh, social media videos leading up to it, and then at, there was an in, in arena stuff. And he did a couple interviews, and he's really funny. And it was like a cute little thing that like helped add some levity to a season that absolutely needed it. And then the Blazers introduce a new mascot. Do they need a second mascot? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was I, the team's number one biggest need is like they need a little more shot creation on the perimeter. They could use some interior defense, and they just needed another mascot. And you got to be you got to give them respect for 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 absolutely addressing one of their needs. Um, you know, it's just you you got to do it in stages, and it's like uh, eventually they'll dre- address that rim protection and depth up front, and they'll probably get a, 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 another creator on the perimeter. But right now, you do what you can do, and this team that desperately needed a secondary mascot has found one, and I, I got to give respect to everyone. In the organization for making that happen uh the the other basketball stuff <laughs> douglas first fine i don't know i'm just um i'm i'm teasing i'm teasing the blazers douglas first fine i guess it's uh, mascot stuff's fun right like um shout out to shout out to all the the hard-working mascots out there in the nba the, the like the notable things from this game are another blown double digit lead that i i i know the blazers have blown uh, i believe the number is 17 games i've lost 17 games when leading by 10 points to me, yeah, like they're a top 10 offense and one of the three worst defensive teams in the in the league. That's to me that that just checks out. This isn't like some like proof of the leads themselves are not like proof of incompetence of the coaching staff or whatever. Like they're it's just it's symptomatic of the type of team they are. A really good offensive team that is horrific on defense. If you want to like if you want to come at the coaching staff for something, be more specific. The defense stinks. It hasn't taken steps forward. The defensive personnel isn't very good, but they've made basically no appreciable difference on defense under the new coaching staff. Um, th- that part is frustrating. The like they blow leads is proof that they're unorganized. Is like is a nonsense take. It's a nonsense take. The take is like they're bad on defense, so of course they give up leads because they can't freaking stop anyone. Also, it's the NBA. Like the, the scoring is crazy now. Um, it's. Teams are going to score quickly. They're going to shoot threes. They're going to build leads. 16 in the second quarter is just not a meaningful lead. It's not a meaningful lead. Blowing a 10-point lead with five minutes left against Philly on Friday, that's a meaningful lead. Blowing a 25-point halftime lead against the Lakers earlier this year, that's a meaningful lead. Up 16 in the early second quarter at home against the Knicks, um, a team that at the time was shooting bricks, was one of eight from three. Yeah, like it felt fragile. It felt fragile. I mean, I, I, I... the the double digit leads are meaningful, but they're they're um, I I don't think that they're like a, particularly damning. The other big thing from this game is that Shaden Sharp played seven minutes, seven minutes and twenty eight seconds. Uh, I don't want to treat this like a mystery. In, in on on Monday's show, uh, I I was um, very firm in my belief that Shaden Sharp should play more minutes. Like. What are we doing here? And I still kind of think that. But it's not a mystery why Shaden Sharp is only playing seven and a half minutes. Like, you don't need to be a... <laughs> the first thing that came to mind was Harriet the Spy. Sherlock Holmes. I guess I don't know a lot of sleuths. Uh, that's that's something I don't know a lot of sleuths. But you don't need to be a, a high-level sleuth to figure out why Shaden Sharp isn't playing. He's a 19-year-old rookie who's mostly a negative on the court. He's mostly a negative when he plays. Really fun. Has some has, has some bright spots. But, like... 
struggles on defense, has not consistently shot the ball at a super, super high level, has had some stretches where it's like, oh, he can really shoot it, but he's mostly a negative, right? Like, it's a teenager. That's what happens. The Blazers are trying to make the playoffs. You start Damian Lillard, you played Dame 40 minutes, played 39 minutes and two seconds in this game, played Dame 30 minutes or 40 minutes in this game. It's like, yeah, this is a team trying to win. Shaden Sharp is a rookie. He's not going to help you win. They're prioritizing playing guys like Matisse Thibel, who's a much, much better defender, for playing guys like Cam Reddish, who they, they clearly like. You know, Nas is still playing under 10 minutes in these games. Like, they've the, the seven dudes that uh, Chauncey Billups seems to trust are the, the guys who started this game, and Trent Watford played 40 minutes, absolutely would not have played that. Jeremy Grant would have played those minutes. Cam Reddish because you need him, and, and Drew Eubanks because you absolutely need him. Or Cam Reddish because you trust him, and Drew Eubanks because you need him. It's like a... It's a tight rotation. They're trying to win these games. Here's the problem. They're not winning. They're heading the wrong way. So stop this. Stop stop this approach would be my preference. Just play Shaden Sharp a bunch of minutes. If you're going to lose by double digits at home to the Knicks, play the rookie 30 minutes. It's time. I get why. The why is not a mystery. Again, not a high-level sleuth. It's obvious why the youngster is not playing. The problem is that it's like I personally think like they've reached a point in the season when they kind of know what the deal is. They've played 69 games. They have 13 games left. Play the youngster a bunch of minutes. You're going to lose anyways. You're not making the play-in. You're not even good enough to make the play-in. It's just, it's not happening. I know that's not Damian Lord's preference, but if, you know, if if instead of 38 minutes of Matisse Thibel, you got 32 and a half minutes of Matisse Thibel and Shaden Sharp played 13, it feels a lot better. It feels a lot better. Um, I get why. I just, it's, it is not my personal preference. And it's, uh, frankly, the last time we will talk about Shaden Sharp's minutes on this podcast because, um, I want to harp on other stuff. Speaking of harping on other stuff, let's talk about Damian Lord's presence and, or, or, uh, Damian Lord joining the JJ Reddick podcast and what he said, a moment that he kind of gave some clarity on his his view of the league and also something I think the Blazers front office should take to heart. But before we do that, I want to tell you about Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. It's the mobile game that lets you become the GM of a basketball franchise. If that's been your dream, it can come true. And this game is for you. Manage every strategic aspect of your team. Play through the season. Lead your team to glory while you're responsible for things like hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency in the draft, all the ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging, realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. You play on the go as you want, when you want to. Locked on Blazers listeners right now. Get a 100% free bonus to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure you check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketball.com or scan the code if you are watching on YouTube or look it up in app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. All right. JJ Reddick has a podcast. I am um, right around JJ Reddick's age. He was uh, in college when I still lived in Chapel Hill, North Carolina as a youth. I hated that dude. <laughs> Straight up. I hate. I went to a JJ Reddick AAU tournament when he was a high school senior to root against him as a teen. He hadn't even set foot on the Duke campus. He merely agreed to enroll, and I went to an AAU tournament to root against JJ Reddick. But I'll say, 
He's got a pretty good podcast. Um, I don't agree with all of his recent, let's call it recent approach in the basketball media space, but um, I think he's really smart and thoughtful for the most part and does a really good job. And his, his podcast, Old Man in the Three, is um, he gets NBA guests and it's, it's a really good look into sort of the modern NBA through the eyes of the dudes playing in it right now. And Damian Lillard was a recent guest on the, on the old man and the three podcast. Uh, and it, it's, um, I don't really like to like recap a podcast on here, but I think there is a viral moment from that pod. That's about four or five minutes long. That's that, that I think offers insight both to Damian Lillard's sort of view worldview, basketball worldview. And also I think something the Blazers franchise should take to heart. Uh, they talked about a bunch of stuff on there. I recommend you check it out. Um, I will link it in the um, I will link the podcast in the episode description for this episode. Um, if if in case in case you missed it, but uh, in in that pod uh, in that episode, JJ asked Dame kind of about his how he operates and how he maintains within the culture of the NBA, both like within the league with players, like what the sort of player vibe culture is, and also just like the ecosystem, the take ecosystem of, of sports media today, uh, which I fully recognize. I'm someone who yells into a microphone. I don't always yell, but I talk quickly into a microphone on, on YouTube. I'm like, I am part of the ecosystem, a very small, mostly meaningless part, but like I recognize my space in it. There's been some times in here when maybe I've said, said things that have, um, I don't know, caught, caught wind and been part of like the Blazers fandom zeitgeist. So I, I'm not saying that I'm like separate from this, but in, in the sort of larger context of sports media takery, Damian Lord talked about how um, we may have lost sight of like things that matter in basketball. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, some of it is that the obsession with rings makes what you do in the regular season meaningless. And I think this is largely one of the NBA's major problems is that the way we would discuss players is they win a championship or they're trash. Big trash. Get them out of here. Dude stinks. Unplayable. Garbage. Or champions. Greatest of all time. Goats are trash. Everybody's a goat. Everybody's trash. You can't. There's literally no middle when something like 26 of the franchises fit squarely in the middle and there's there's two on each end right like that's that's probably that's probably the a more accurate way to discuss it there might be more teams at the bottom because of intentional losing but i don't think the um even some of the teams losing aren't, aren't true trash they're just teams being a little strategic in the way they approach uh games this season because of the way the nba has incentivized things dame talks about how in that episode talks about how the journey has to matter the what you do, the regular season, the path to try to win a championship has to matter. Because if you only talk about rings, everything else, the the 82 game regular season, the first three rounds of the playoffs become meaningless, largely meaningless. And then we lose the context of what makes the sport wonderful. This is something that I think I've heard Dame share um generally sort of broadly speaking i've heard him share before but i think this was the first time that he spoke on it um at length in recent years i will recognize this some of this is a little bit self-serving damian lord is very unlikely to even participate in the playoffs this year but he has had a magnificent regular season and talking about not losing sight of the journey is legit is very obviously self-serving i'm i'm not stupid um i i get what that is but but Dame was was said in even in that in the context of that answer that he was like he didn't want to make this about his experience and I I think let, let's let's honor his, that request right because I think some of it is saying like hey 
there's a lot of dudes that are greats, and I don't. I think we can lose sight of the greatness if we only care about rangs and rangs culture. But losing sight of the journey strikes me as something that I wish the Blazers hadn't done this season. What I mean by that is that it's okay to be okay. And the Blazers' choice not to be competitive by adding a backup center all year long kind of makes you feel like they didn't want to be good. At the beginning of the season, it's defensible. You know, they do, it's like the ownership really doesn't want to pay the tax until they get it. But you say like, hey, this team is set up for a trade. They have to make a trade. There's too much overlap on the roster. Josh Hart's entering free agency. They're going to make a trade. They're going to add some size. They'll get there, right? When they choose not to do that at the trade deadline, it's like, are we losing sight of what matters? Do we not care about the regular season? Is it is it is, is the team prioritizing is the team losing sight of the journey? And this isn't to say that I don't think it's better if they miss the playoffs. I do. I straight up do. But if if with how good Damian Lord is to punt on another season and to punt on another season intentionally, it does feel like you're losing sight of the journey and prioritizing only some sort of future chance to get good over a chance to be as competitive as you can in the moment. So let me clarify this a little bit more. The Blazers have two two-way spots. They use them on John Butler Jr., who's back out of the G League. Welcome back, John. And Abu Baji, a guy who's who's never going to play a game this year. He's, um, you know, it was a, a raw prospect and then had a knee injury and has had knee surgery and is now his, his season is done. I think using the two-way contracts on uh, high upside flyers who are not NBA players is probably the most um, is probably the purest way to think about two-way contracts. They are specifically for G League players, but for a team like the Blazers, who said that they wanted to be competitive this year and that Damian Lord has said so many times that he wanted to make the playoffs, using those in a slightly different way, saying um, two-way guys can be eligible for um, they have to play less than four years in the league, so you can have guys with three years of NBA experience on a, on a two-way contract using that on some some a big person that's like much closer to an NBA vet so you had big man insurance is a way to not lose sight of the journey and not lose sight of what matters I think the Blazers for the most part have approached the this season in a pragmatic way if you believe they can get good this summer and be good and competitive next year if you believe that it's really challenging as I do I think punting on this season by making some choices to have the roster not have the parts you need to be competitive when you inevitably dealt with some injuries feels like they are not living up to the standard and the wishes of their franchise icon. Damon Lord mentioned this on another podcast he was on where he says, I understand that the team has priorities, but I want to do this. I want to press on into the playoffs. It's what they are trying to do each night and they are undermanned and um, you know, they're they're basically, you know, with, if Jeremy Grant comes back, they're basically healthy and mediocre, right? Um, so I'm not saying like if they had just signed a third center, they would be in the playoffs, but they would be in the mix, which is Dame's preference. And it seems like they chose not to follow that preference. And to me, it has made the season feel more like a bummer because Damian Lillard is playing all world basketball and the team is saying, be patient, trust us, we'll get it right in July. At some point, I wish they would have respected the journey and tried to be as decent as possible within reason this year, knowing that the big moves 
only could come in the summertime. So why not make some small moves, even on the two-way level that are cap neutral, do not cost the Allen Estate any money, to try to be more competitive in the near term. The idea that the Blazers couldn't finish like the 10th best team in the West this year, looking at where the West is, is wild. And they chose not to do it all year long. Okay, let's have some happier times. Josh Hart came back to the Moda Center. He's a lot of fun. Let's talk about other former Blazers that have earned that sort of Josh Hart role of being like, I'm a root for this dude in whatever jersey he wears in honor of Josh Hart's return. But before we do that, let me tell you about Built Bar, best tasting protein bar that there is. I like peanut butter brownie. I like cookies and cream. I got cookies and cream upstairs on my desk right now. Uh, 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, four net carbs. They pack a punch, they fuel you up. Got 100% covered in 100% chocolate, so they, they're going to give you a little boost to your blood sugar, but only 4 grams of sugar on average, so they're not going to light you up with a bunch of unhealthy stuff. They're not super sugary and wild. They got, they got the fuel you need, and they taste great, plus now available at Sam's Clubs and Walmarts across the country. So go buy a 4-box, find out what you like, then go back to Sam's Club, go back to Walmart, buy a 13-box, a 13-pack box, 13-bar box is what I'm looking for. Uh, and then, and once you know what you like, you'll have a whole bunch of them, and then they'll be waiting on your desk to fuel you when you need in the middle of the day, prior to a workout, when you're missing missing a meal or just need a little boost to keep on keeping on. That's Built Bars. You can also get them with at, for 15% off using the promo code Locked on 15 at Built.com. Com. Today's episode, in addition, is also brought to you by FanDuel, the number one sports book in America. It is a wonderful time to sign up because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three-pointers drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. All right. I missed my intro. Still pass first point guard. Still still Mike Richmond. And you're still listening to Locked On Blazers. I thought we were in the middle of the show, but we're at the end. Cruising to the end of this program. Thanks for thanks for rolling with me. Josh Hart returned to the Moda Center last night. One of the easiest dudes to root for in a non-Blazers uniform. Josh Hart was here from trade deadline to trade deadline. Parts of two seasons. And I would categorize him as universally beloved. Does anyone, people might thought of Josh Hart was, you know, not a great fit, but nobody dislikes Josh Hart. Nobody dislikes Josh Hart. He got a nice ovation when he got checked in the game, played 37 minutes, then it was 16, nine and eight. And it's like, man, this dude is good. Um, He's he's a winning player that played hard, that loved his time in Portland, had a good relationship with Damian Lillard and as, and earned his place in Blazers legend status. And I don't mean that like on Mount Rushmore. I mean the on the like, yeah, I will always root for him because when he played briefly for my team, I loved him. And I'm going to like, I'm going to always, I'm, he's easy to root for and I will continue to root for him. It got me thinking of who else fits that bill. And I, I'm thinking in the context of the Blazers season. They're not going to be playing postseason basketball unless something really wild happens. So, you know, they're not. Um, <laughs> I'm comfortable saying that. Uh, they are 
they're headed the wrong direction. So at some point, you're going to have to, if you're like a basketball junkie, I know there are some fans out there, and respect to you for doing this, who when the Blazers season ends, they don't watch. They don't watch. I have a neighbor down the street. Um, shout out to the homie, Sebastian. And I was like, hey, are you watching the NBA playoffs last year? And he goes, nah, when the Blazers season ends, I tune out. I'm like, good for you. Me, I'm plugged in through June. I'm a junkie. So for my junkies out there, you're going to have to find another team to root for or another Josh Hart to root for. When the Knicks play, currently fifth in the fifth in the East, it's like it's going to be easy to root for Josh Hart. You, you see that number three jersey come out in Madison Square Garden, uh, fixing his headband as he comes in, come, checks into the game and playing like forty minutes off the bench for a Tom Thibodeau in the playoffs. It's going to be easy to root for Josh Hart. But who are some other folks you can root for? The first name that came, that popped into my brain was the People's Champ Will Barton. The problem is that the Raptors are pretty relatively unlikely to be in the playoffs. They're ninth in the East right now. They're going to be in the play-in. Um, certainly they could make the playoffs. I, I, I think that's, that's not out of the question. Certainly they could, they're, they, you know, in line to get the eighth seed, but they've been pretty much bad all year. Um, they're, they just, it just never clicked there in Toronto. And even the addition of the people's champ, Will the Thrill, um, you know, came in legendary, came in with, with, with Dame, like, um, it was, it was he was a bunch of fun and in the and as the blazers were starting to turn it around and then was traded for Aaron Aflalo during probably the best season of the most competitive season of Dame's career and things went south or whatever but like Will Barton beloved here the people's champ Will the thrill if the raptors are in the postseason i'm going to root for Will Barton to come off the bench he's playing kind of like backup point guardy minutes the raptors are the team that probably eschew uh, positions the most of any team in the league. and and But Barton is playing some backup ball handler minutes for a team that's ninth in the Eastern Conference. I will root for Will Barton when I see him come out in the non-purple jerseys that the Raptors wear. Bring back the purple in Toronto, please. The next name that came to my mind immediately is Wes Matthews. Josh Hart is in the mold of Wesley Matthews. Uh, they're not identical players, but boy, does there are their vibes similar. They play hard as heck. Um, they are, you're not going to get cheated in their minutes and even in their limitations with what they can do, their effort never wanes. So you know what you're going to get, even if there's some stuff that, you know, Wesley Matthews couldn't dribble very well early in his Blazers career, but he did, he did what he did and he always played hard. And I think Hart is, is fairly similar. Wes is playing pretty limited minutes for the Bucks. Um, he's, I don't know that he'll play in every playoff series, but even at his, even in his middle thirties, he's a competitive defender who really gets after it as an on-ball defender. I think he could have a role in the playoffs. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's Wes Matthews, incredibly easy to root for. One of the, one of the easiest dudes to root for in the league, across the league, wherever he has been. It's like, yeah, I, I like this guy. I don't think, um, I don't think Wes is, I don't think Wes is a stretch to say, put him, put him on the list. Um, and when the playoffs start, I'll be rooting for Wes Matthews. The next name is CJ McCollum. I know CJ McCollum has a weird relationship with Blazer fans. Some people will root for him regardless because of his wonderful nine years in, in Portland and all he meant to the program. Some people I think kind of soured on him and said like, I am so ready to have this dude be off the team get him out of here. So like when he left, it was like, thank goodness. And there isn't that sort of like um, congenial, beloved feeling of CJ. But I think for the most part, people like CJ McCollum. Uh, and when the Pelicans are, they're also on teetering on the edge. Like, are they going to, are they going to make the playoffs? I think they're probably going to make the play in. So they're going to play some postseason games. Uh, and, I, you know, CJ McCollum, 
Former Blazer, great. Easy to, you know, I, for me, easy to root for. Uh, I, your mileage may vary on that one, but he's easy to root for. Uh, it's it, it, from from my vantage points, and it's like, you know, when you're when when your team is eliminated, you got to find stuff to uh, to claw onto. And I think C, CJ for um, you know for the way it ended, and it, no fault of his own for sure. Fault of the uh, fault of the front office for keeping him on the roster forever. You know, is is. It, Blazer legend, certainly a, an important spot in Blazer Blazer history. Probably one of the fifteen best players in in franchise history, and, and like teetering up higher. Like I think you can make an argument higher for for me. Probably in that fifteen range. I think ranking players a little bit, ranking players beyond like four or five gets a little dicey because it's like personal preference and age and stuff. But uh, yeah, he's one of the one of the best players in franchise history. Um, easy to root for. For me, the last one. I think this one's a little bit. This is this one is a little bit um, harder. Nicholas Batum and the Clippers. I do not think Blazer fans have an easy time rooting for the Clippers, and I totally get that. Not a particularly likable. Um, none of the good Clippers teams have been likable. I'll, I'll put it like that. <laughs> um, I, I think there's some. There have been some bad Clippers. I guess like Chris Kamen, Elton Brand was pretty likable in 2004, 2006, whenever that was. But like the the post Chris Paul, Lob City, and now this era, it's like not not a pretty not like a super endearing bunch over there in Clipperland. So if you don't want to root for anyone wearing Clipper jersey, that's fine. And I think the Nicholas Batum was frustrating to Blazer fans. So I don't think he was like universally beloved. Certainly not beloved on the level of the same of the of the West Matthews and the and the. Barton and the and the and the even the Josh Hart's because Batum was he was inconsistent they needed him to be more than he was like he he was he was destined to be the the fourth or fifth best player on a team he they needed him to be the third best player he wasn't that he went to Charlotte he certainly wasn't the best player on a franchise you know he's kind of found his spot and in in uh for the Clippers and I will I will be rooting for Nico. I've I've really enjoyed the Nico Renaissance in the back half of his career. Um, he's just a really fun and easy to root for role player. So when the Blazers season ends and they're not in the playoffs, and we have a long stretch of postseason basketball playoffs, are ten weeks in the NBA. Um, it's one of the reasons why people don't care about the regular season because if you're a casual fan, you can just watch the playoffs, and it's two and a half months of basketball at its highest level, and it's enough for you. It's enough for you. I get it. I get it. They got to do something to, to make the regular season matter, but. Uh, I will be rooting for those folks, for Wes and for CJ and for Nico and for Will Barton, for CJ and Will Barton as long as they're around, um, for Nicholas Batum as long as the Clippers are around, and for Wes Matthews all the way until the Bucks win the title. Because I think right now they're probably, uh, at least on FanDuel, they are the betting favorites to win the championship. So go get that ring, Wesley. We'll be pulling for you here in this basement in North Portland. That's going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow's show. We're looking ahead to prospects to watch in the NCAA tournament. Raphael Barlow joins the program, host of Lockdown NBA Big Board. And we talk about who to watch as the NCAA tournament heats up. Make sure you check that one out. Friday show, Orlando Sanchez of KGW is going to join the program. A couple fun interviews to close out the week. Be sure to come back for all of those. That's what we do five days a week, Monday through Friday. Make it your first listen. Or in this case, because it came out a little bit late, make it... Please just listen. I appreciate you. Tell your friends about the program. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.